Welcome to Dental Unfiltered with Dr. Andrew Vallow and Matthew Brown, your source for the unfiltered truth about what's going on in the dental industry and what's effective for your practice growth. Hey guys, welcome to uh, Dental Unfiltered. I'm Matthew Brown and this is Dr. Andrew Vallow. Today is episode two and what we're going to talk, talk about today is reviews and how important they are and how you can generate them. Dr. Vallow is with us. He's our fellows. And he's had a really success with going from one practice to four in just a couple of years, all of them being very successful, profitable practices. And one thing that's really important to him is reviews. And he's managed to generate 1,480 reviews. So we're going we're to talk to Dr. Vallow about how he went about generating, what the uh, the benefit was, and what he found the best practices. So first, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Vallow and let him just start the conversation about why he realized reviews were so important and when he realized he had to make that an actual front that he was really attacking for his practice. So Dr. Vallow, when did you realize this is the time I'm going to do this? This is why I know it's important. Tell me how you kind of went through that. Thanks for the introduction there, Matt. Guys, I'm really excited about today's episode. Google reviews are a huge part of our growth. I mean, I, I have to say that's probably one of the biggest reasons we've grown so fast. You know, as Matt mentioned, we I think as of this recording, I think we have 1,480 reviews, as Matt and I were talking beforehand. But by the time this goes live, I would guess we'll have 1,500, which obviously is a fun number to hit. From the time, I guess, before I opened my doors, I, I knew that we needed to get Google reviews. I mean, just myself personally, me and my wife, whenever we would go see a movie, we'd go to dinner, we would look for a new service or, you know, a new provider. We would always look at reviews, you know, usually Google, sometimes Yelp, uh, depending on what exactly you were looking for. But I mean, I basically wouldn't commit two hours to go see a movie if it didn't have decent reviews. So why would people go spend hundreds or thousands of dollars to go to a dentist to get treatment done if they don't have good reviews? So basically from the time we opened our doors, you know, we, we had some systems in place. I've been using Swell since day one of my first startup. And in just over two years of using Swell, asking patients for reviews, having these systems in place, you know, that single office has gotten to just about 1,500 Google reviews. So, Awesome. So you use a, a review tool like Swell, and there's, there's a lot of methods. Bird's Eye, Swell, a lot of marketing companies provide their own review generation tool. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, like, reviews actually affect SEO quite a bit, or what you perceive as SEO. So you, 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 you tend to want to get SEO because you want to be on the top five spots of Google on the first page, which makes sense. But if you think about it, a lot of people go to map results first. And map results display based on a couple of factors. One is distance from the cell phone of the business. Also is quantity, quality, and frequency of review. So I, I had a doc recently. It was really interesting. Um, I was demoing with her and we were, we were having a conversation and she was in uh, California and she had like 50 reviews and she'd been up four years. And I asked her like, doc, why do you have so few reviews? And she started going into how Everyone where she is works in the tech industry and no one wants to leave reviews. And instantly my radar went off. And I was like, this is, I looked up a practice a mile away and it had 600 reviews. I said, doc, you have 50 reviews. They have 600. You think maybe you're not doing a good job. And then she kind of basically broke down. So you know what? No one's ever told me how I get reviews. Like no one's ever spent the time to invest in me and tell me what I need. I told her what tools were out there and some best practices and her vision shift from people here don't leave reviews, which humans do reviews, it's universal, like planet-wide, right? So she's shifted because she has the right tools. Can you tell us a little bit about the best practices you have used to generate and approach these reviews with patients and how you generate them? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, guys, uh, if you listen to our first episode, I, it was a little bit longer. It was just kind of some uh, backstory. Today, we're going to jump right into some uh, some pearls that you can take and put into your practice same day, starting with my systems for reviews. So, you know, th this is exactly how we get so many Google reviews. You know, first of all, we have the automated system. And, and you're right, Matt, there's many different products out there. Swell's worked well for us. I'm happy with it. You know, as long as it keeps working, I'm going to keep using it. But, um, you know, you need to have some kind of automation. Otherwise, it's just, it's not going to work as well. So get an automated review system. You need to provide a great patient experience. That should be obvious. I mean, if you're not providing a five-star patient experience, why would you even want to ask patients for reviews? So, you know, we, we have amenities. We have comfort menus. We've got, you know, the decor so when patients come in, you know, we, we don't want to be just a typical dental office. We don't want to look or feel 
or even smell like a regular dental office. I mean, people have connotations of what dental offices are. Older offices, they, you know, walk in and it just kind of smells dank and dingy and all that. They they smell the so the dental tears. Yeah. <laughs> like like when I walk in the dental practice, yeah. like it's so funny. So I'm in dental practices all across the country. And like a new practice smells like a new house. It's, like it's clean and awesome. Yeah. Been to old dental practices and it's like you know, like this is just because there's water so prevalent in dental, it smells moist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's different materials you use that don't smell great. There's, you know, just the use of the hand pieces, whether it's in the lab or in the rooms. There's there's so many not great smells in dental. And I think, you know, yes. it's such a strong sense for people that when you walk in somewhere, I mean, honestly, this is this is a true story. The house that my wife and I bought, uh, we've been here for, uh, I guess, a little, a little over three years now. But when we first walked in it, we were looking at houses and immediately walking in the front door, we just got hit with like a great scent. And I think that set the tone for the entire open house that we were walking through um, was like, wow, this place smells great. And I, I think it just kind of put a positive image in your mind. And, and it probably was part of the reason why we ended up buying the house. So, I mean, don't overlook the value of your office not smelling like an average dental office. We invested, it's called Scent Air. I know uh, Breakaway recommends it. I, I think probably there's a lot of dentists out there that have tried it before, but our office scent for all of our offices are white tea and tie. It's, it's the same scent that a lot of the popular hotel brands use. Um, so when you walk into our dental offices, it doesn't smell like a dental office. It smells like white tea and time and it smells great. Another true story, my second startup office was actually an old dental space where the dentist had left. He had been in there for about 50 years and it looked like a dentist had been there for 50 years and it smelled like a dentist had been there for 50 years. So we immediately got the scent air, you know, got our white tea and time scent. It took some time to get the smell to that. I mean, we had like doors open and, you know, that thing running 24 seven, but in the couple months while we were getting the office set up and ready to open, all of a sudden it started to not smell so bad anymore. And, you know, at this point in time, you walk in that office, you would never know that it was 50 years old, you know, when we took it over. So, you know, just going back to that patient experience, try, try to envision yourself as a patient walking in the doors. Like what is going to make you view the practice in a positive light? What little touches, like, you know, how they're greeted at, you know, as they walk in the front, um, just what terminology do you use? You know, we, we direct patients to the patient lounge. We don't direct them to the waiting room because nobody wants to wait for an appointment. Yeah. Um, Waiting's a bad word. Yeah. There is a lot of taboo words in dentistry that people use all the time. Oh, yeah. Words, words like cancel. Oh, we've, we've got a cancellation so we can get you in today. Never say that. You don't want to, you don't want to train English. It's okay. To give an opportunity. You. We had a schedule change. We had a schedule change. So we've, we've got an opening. We can get you in today. So, I mean, we could do a whole podcast episode on oh, words on of words. taboo in dentistry for 100%. sure. But, you know, getting back to what we're talking about right now, uh, just make sure that every part of that patient experience, especially the new patient experience, but every part of the patient experience is intentional. Make sure that you're providing that five-star. I think of us, yes, we're medical professionals, but I think of us as part of the hospitality industry. Um, you know, I spent years waiting tables. I, I feel like that gave me some training on on how to treat customers, you know, with that hospitality feeling. Um, and I've tried to apply a lot of that to our dental office. So what does the office look and smell like? How are patients greeted? What kind of terminology are you using? What kind of amenities do you offer? So we've got Netflix, we've got TVs on the ceilings. Um, actually, uh, once again, breakaway style, our hygiene rooms, they all have three TVs in them. So we've got two TVs on the wall where the patient's facing. They're each 50 inches. So they're nice big TVs stacked around top of each other. On our ceiling, we've got like a 42-inch TV where patients watch Netflix. That makes the visits go by a lot faster. Patients walk and they say, oh my gosh, look at all this technology. I mean, how much do flat screen TVs cost these days? No. So great, great investment in your practice, you know, great amenity right there. We've got noise canceling headphones uh, that patients can plug in directly to the remotes for the smart TVs so they can watch the Netflix on their headphones. We've got, you know, neck pillows and soft blankets. We've got a custom coffee bar. We've, we just went out and bought like a nice espresso machine so patients can get complimentary espressos, cappuccinos, lattes, things like that. And once again, can probably delve into way more details on a whole episode about new patient experience, but just kind of summing it up, make sure that, you, that your experience is there. Make sure it's worthy of a five-star review. And then at that point in time, you actually have to ask for the reviews. So, I mean, you can't just have a great experience, send out the automated links. If your team is not actually asking patients to leave you reviews while you're in the office, people probably aren't going to do it. So um, that's that's the next step. You know, anytime a patient compliments us, our team knows that they're supposed to say, hey, I really appreciate that. Would you write that on Google? 
that's like kind of our phrase is like, hey, would you rate that on Google for us? And patients usually laugh and say, yeah, no problem. I'd, I'd be happy to. Yeah, as patient, ask, oh, ask, ahead, Matt. ask formally. If you don't ask in anything, you will never get it. Yeah. So you have to ask. Like it's, it's people like, oh, they'll leave a good review. No, they won't. So creative yeah. just ask. Well, I mean, you know, I, I feel like there's so many times where I have a great experience somewhere and I'm like thinking in my head, I should, I should write a review. You know, this is a nice local uh, restaurant. You know, I, I want to write a nice review about it, but like we're all busy. And if someone doesn't actually go out of their way to ask you to leave a review, you don't feel obligated to, you know, may, maybe you think it'd be a nice thing to do, but like once life gets busy, you leave the restaurant, you go home, you've got so many other things on your mind. You don't feel like you have that commitment, like you're going to leave a review. But if, if the owner comes out and says, how was your meal? Um, oh, everything was great. You know, hey, we're a family-owned restaurant. It would really mean a lot to us if you take a few minutes and leave us a review. It really helps us build our business. You better believe when I leave, I'm going to feel guilty if I don't write that review. Especially then if they follow up with automated reminders like, hey, you know, this is so-and-so from the restaurant. Uh, just wondering if you could take a few minutes to leave us a review. So, you know, again, kind of summarizing, great aesthetics in your office, great smell, great new patient experience. Have your team asking for reviews. It always kind of culminates with our checkout. So, you know, our, our front desk personnel, you know, she's great with it. She knows to ask patients, how was your experience today? Um, you know, as long as they say, oh, it was great. She says, hey, would you mind taking a few minutes, leaving us a review? 95% of people say, yeah, no, no problem. I'm, I'm happy to do that for you. Then she follows up and she lets them know, hey, I'm actually going to send you a text with a review link in it later today. It takes like two minutes. You just click the link. It goes right to our Google reviews. You can just write something quick, leave us a review, and, and we'd really appreciate that. And and then to thank you for doing that, we're going to enter you in our patient appreciation raffle. Uh, every couple of months, we raffle off cool things like AirPods and gift cards and stuff like that. So there's like that little incentive on top of that. We don't tell them, hey, you have to leave us a five-star review to be entered. We just say, hey, you know, if you leave us your feedback, if you leave us a review, you're going to be entered in our patient appreciation. So at this point in time, we've done a lot of setup work to get to this point where, you know, the patient's in a good position to leave us a review. And so the, the final phase of it is the actual phrasing for the automated reminder text that go out to patients. So to rewind for a second, you yeah. know, we could do a whole episode easily on the patient experience. So we don't yeah. get too far into it, but <laughs> you know, one thing I find really common is I'll be in a practice and I, I do coaching all over the country and I'm in practices every day almost. And I'll, I'll ask them what their amenities are. They'll tell them. And sometimes this is my, usually my test to see how often they actually offer the amenities. They'll say, oh, we have blankets. I'll say, oh, can I see that? And they'll show them to me. I'm like, man, these are nice blankets. And they'll be like, yeah, I'm like, how long have you had them? Like, three years. I'm like, they look brand new. Are these the same ones you had three years ago? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, so you never offer them that? Because these should be replaced like six times already. And they're like, well, yeah. And then I watch the practice for the day. And I start to count how often certain things are offered to do. And there's no consistency. And the problem is the staff actually doesn't know when to offer what. Right? So one thing I always tell people is, Listen, if you're if you're going to a marketer, consultant, somebody for help, that probably means you have openings in your schedule, right? So you have downtime. I think one of the best uses of downtime, and this affects reviews, is to role play from check-in, walking in the door greeting, to checkout. And who offers what amenities when, what wording do we use, and when do we ask for the review? Like, we all know chairside manner is infinitely more important than clinical ability, right? But no one ever invests time these things that are so important and the thing is is everyone's like well i thought you offered or i thought you did or, or why did this get offered and doc is so busy running from op to op with his head or her head in someone's mouth that they don't have time to watch that and the office manager is dealing with putting fires out so when you have that downtime just role play like literally from door opening greeting to going completely through the practice to checkout and move move a staff member through the practice like they're patient and like, when do we offer what and what's the best process? And just in doing that, you will improve this to increase the ability to get a positive review. And the key is how you ask at the end. So can you go over at the end of it from like asking to the cadence of text messages to the wording and what your motivation is and why you did it the way you did it? Because there's a lot of times I deal with dentists and they're worried about like bothering the patient. I know that my view and your view on that are very different than the industry. So... Could you, could you explain like from they're done, they had a great experience. What happens? Yeah. You've got to break a few eggs to make an omelet, but yes, I will absolutely get into our specific texts. And, and actually I think we're even going to provide 
the listeners with a uh, cheat sheet with the text templates that we send patients so that they can kind of craft theirs to be similar. Before I get into that, I want to touch on something that you said that I think is really important. And that's, you know, the, the training, the role playing, consistency, the systems. So lately... I've kind of become the CRO of our office, the chief repeating officer. And I think my team starts to roll their eyes at me sometimes because chief repeating officer, I'm using, I think that's, you know, so, so again, my, my flagship startup's been open just over two years. And so the, the first year or so, like every single meeting, it was like new things like, Oh, we got to implement this system. It was honestly, a lot of it was trial, but trial and error, you know, or like things were growing and, and we needed a new system. Um, at this point in time, not that there's never anything that we change because there is, I mean, there, you know, there's always small things that we're trying to improve or perfect or tweak, but at this point, most of our systems are pretty stable. So when we have team meetings and I do both full office meetings as well as small group meetings, I just had a, a hygiene team meeting this week that I think was really productive. But when I do these meetings, a lot of times these days, it's more repetition of things that we've already learned and being like, Hey guys remember, this is how we need to be doing this. And so it's, it's like your team, if you tell them something one time, they're not going to get it and do it consistently. You have to continue to role play, continue to train, continue to go over the same things. And, you know, you may get some pushback from some people, but you know, at the end of the day, if, if they're a good team member, they, they want the office to win. They understand why you're doing it. They're going to be on board and they're going to be happy that you continue to provide training so that, you know, they can get better at doing what they're supposed to be doing, um, which is providing a great patient experience. So, you know, anyways, going back to that, yes, 100%, you've got to role play the new patient experience. You've got to role play conversations with patients. You've got to role play treatment presentations and asking for reviews and things like that. Um, now, you know, to jump back ahead to, you know, what exactly are we saying to the patient? So again, you know, throughout the appointment, any opportunity the team is supposed to take a compliment, say thank you, and then ask the patient, we'll write it on Google. So that's already in the planting seeds in the patient's head, hey, like it would be great to write a Google review. At the end of the appointment, as they're being checked out, they're supposed to be asked, you know, hey, how was your visit? And the other nice thing about this is let's say for some reason they didn't have a great visit, um, which happens, you know, even in the best offices where we do everything possible to try to make every visit a great experience, there are patients that are unhappy and maybe we don't even know that they're unhappy. So this is a great opportunity to find out, like maybe if something didn't go great and, and to try to correct it. And I empower my team. You know, if they find out there's an issue, they know that they can take steps to try to resolve that without even coming to me, which is huge. You've got to delegate that some of those things to your team. You've got to trust your team enough to do that. So we were talking about why training and role playing is important. And then you were getting into, you know, at the end of the visit, the actual process from how you ask the review to the actual texts and the cadence that you use and kind of thought process how you wrote these texts. So let's get into the actual nuts and bolts of how a doc, the actual steps, deliverable actions a doc can do start this process. To get so our, our front office personnel, uh, she is trained, uh, you know, at each office that when checking out a patient, she is asking, how was your visit today? And then assuming that the patient says it was great, then they're saying, hey, would you do us a huge favor? Would you take a couple minutes to leave us a Google review about your visit? We're a family-owned business. It really helps us find more great patients just like you. Most patients say, yeah, no problem. I'm happy to do that. So then the really key thing is she follows that up is when they say yes to leave us a review, she follows it up and she says, great, I'm going to send you a text with a link. It just takes two minutes. It's going to go directly to our Google reviews. And then as a thank you for leaving us a review, we're actually going to enter you in our patient appreciation raffle. And then, you know, every month we raffle off cool things like AirPods and gift cards and things like that. So, you know, at this point in time, the patient's leaving the appointment. We feel like we've got a pretty good chance of getting a Google review. And then that's where the automation comes in. So, you know, we have automated texts that go out from Swell. The first one goes out the same day as the appointment uh, in the evening. The second text goes out three days after that. And the third text goes out a week after their appointment. So it's same day, three days later, a week later is when the texts are going out. The first text, it's as if it was from our front office personnel. So it says, hey, it's Gabby. Here's that link I told you I was going to send you for a Google review. We really appreciate it. You know, after you leave the review, you'll be entered in our patient appreciation. So, you know, that, that first text is good. You know, it doesn't sound like the automated text that most offices are sending out where it's like the dental boutique West Chase would like your feedback. I mean, I get those, those texts all the time. And once again, unfortunately, it's like, 
we're, we've trained our brains to ignore those automated texts. If, if your text, and this is true for patient confirmation texts as well, but if your automated texts sound like automated texts, they're probably being ignored. You know, kind of kind of getting a person's name at the beginning of the text, and not, not the person you're sending it to, but the actual person who it's from, you know, like, and, and they're like, oh, wait, is that, was that the front desk girl at the dental office? Oh, yeah, I remember her. So, you know, I think actually making them personalize, making it sound like these texts are coming from that person after the person already told them they're, so it's not even like a cold call text. It's like she asked them if they leave a, leave a review. She told them she was going to send them a text. Now they get a text as if she is texting them personally. So that's huge. You know, that really increases the, you know, percentage of people that actually read and, and then take action and leave a review from that text. But once again, life is busy. You know, we've got a million things going on. We've got jobs and kids and projects and, you know, bills do and everything else. So, you know, one text might not be enough. And so, you know, we had, from the very beginning, we had a second text and, and Swell lets you choose how many texts you want to send out. And I think this is where we go into the point where you said, you know, hey, the industry is worried about upsetting patients. Um, so there's some dentists that are like, man, I, I can't send a second follow-up text. I got, I got to just send one. And if they leave a review, great. Well, you know, we started with two from the very beginning and I wish we had started with three because after a few months I added our third text and that's when our review numbers really started to skyrocket. So unfortunately, people just need that extra reminder, that little nudge to, to take action. And most people really do want to leave your review. And honestly, a lot of times they feel guilty because they told you that they would leave your review. So you just have to take advantage of that and, and just go that extra step to, to remind them to say, hey. So anyways, first text goes out day of, second text goes out three days later. Uh, and it says, hey, uh, you know, I, I know you're busy. Just wanted to follow up to see if you could take a couple minutes, leave us a Google review. Uh, it really helps small businesses like us grow. Uh, here's that link again. And then, you know, there's pretty high success rate with the second text. But again, the third text was, I think, the magic number, uh, you know, for people that were just busy or forgetful or dragging their feet or whatever it was. That third text goes out a week later. And, and that third text says, you know, hey, it's Gabby. I promise this is the last reminder, but if you could take a minute to leave us a quick review, it would mean a lot. And then we'll enter you in our raffle to win a you know pair of AirPods or whatever. So that third text, I think by the time they get that, patients are either like, they feel so guilty because they told us and, and we've had to text them a few times and they're like, oh my God, I got to leave this review. Or they're like maybe a little bit annoyed and they're just like, all right, I'm going to leave this review so they stop bothering me. Either way, we've sent this to thousands of patients over the last few years and I mean, I could easily count on one hand the number of patients who have like gotten mildly frustrated. Like, have we lost any patients from those texts? It's possible. Like, maybe we lost a patient or two. But like, honestly, in the scheme, yes. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I lost. I can't. I lost two. Like, the scarcity mindset in dental is yeah. so large. It's like, it's like, oh, I lost. I lost two patients. Complain, Matt. We got to change this. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah but one thousand reply. Yeah. I'm like, can't we just get them to reply and not have anyone get upset? There's no purpose. It's the cost benefit analysis. You know, it's yeah. <clears throat> it's like, you know, hey, some people might get mildly annoyed. Maybe there's a few people that actually get mad, but the majority of people honestly have no problem with it or feel guilty because they haven't left one yet or whatever it is. And if they if they leave a review after the first text, they don't get the follow-ups. So I mean if if they click the first text, leave a review, you know, the system knows that they left a review, they don't get the follow-up text asking for more reviews. So that's been huge. You know, the, the whole, it's the whole system though. I mean, if you just signed up for Swell or one of those other companies and you just took my script and you did nothing else, you're going to get some more reviews. But if you're not asking patients in the office, if you're not, if your front you know desk is not telling patients, Hey, I'm going to send you this review text. If you don't have a great patient experience, if your dental office smells terrible, I mean, it, there's all these other things that you're not doing. It's, doing one thing right is not going to get you from zero to 1400 reviews in two years. You've got to kind of do everything. So, I mean, it, it's a little bit of work, but once you get the system in place at this point, it's, it's kind of like set and forget. My team at this point knows it very well, how it's supposed to work. Our automated reviews are all set up, you know, that we don't have to monitor them. We don't have to check them. Um, and the reviews just keep coming in. So, so a lot of dentists, oh, they were like one, five, one of five practices. I want to two practices, one of one practice. And one thing to remember is you have to create easily replicatable systems and processes yep. to initiate and actually keep the system. And the key to all that is is, is simplicity and, and actually taking action and consistency, right? So your ears, you talked about, there's three text messages. And I don't know if you hit on this. The, the first one goes out the night of. 
Yep. When does the second one go? Uh, three days after the appointment. And when does the third one go? A week after the appointment. How different is the message from text one to text three? Uh, I mean, it's it's the same idea, but they all change a little bit. So it's it's not like the same text just on repeat. You know, it, it actually sounds like it's Gabby sending them a different message saying like, hey, I know you're busy, but just wanted to follow up. So, I mean, yes, each, each text is different. Each text, it kind of follows, you know, a thread from the first message to the last message. Um, and I, again, I think it's kind of important on that last message that we kind of start with like, hey, I promise this is the last reminder. So it's like, hey, yeah. we get it. We know we've reminded you a few times. We're not going to keep badgering you. But if you could take a minute to leave us a review, like we'd really appreciate it. I think one thing, I talk to this all day long, right? And I have to explain this concept. I think this makes you stand out a little differently is a lot of dentists look at everything from the view of the operatory going out to the patient out in the world. I try to teach dentists to look at everything with new patient eyes, zero dental IQ, of looking out in the world, going towards the chair. I think that you do a really good job placing yourself in the patient's shoes and saying, should I really be worried about this? What would really be effective to actually assist the patient? Because truly being patient-centric is actually thinking about that. Yeah. I think when you designed your process, you thought about everything from the point of view of like, how is the patient going to interact and respond with this process? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, I, I I think it does. And, you know, going back to what I just said earlier too, I think everything's a cost-benefit analysis. You know, any any decision I'm making, because I, I have no money, I have no problem spending money on things that return ROI. So I, I've actually, I've talked to dentists about our reviews before. You know, I've people I've seen posts I've made on Facebook and they say, you know, How, what do you do? How are you getting so many? And I'm like, oh, you know, like I use Swell. And they're like, isn't that expensive? Like I, you know, and I'm like, okay, I think it's 149 a month or I, Honestly, I don't even know. It's it's on auto pay, but it's not it's not that much money. In the scheme of running a dental practice, it's not that much money. Um, and the crazy thing is, I could do reviews through Flex. I mean, the another software I pay for has a review service. But when I started my office at that time, the consensus was Swell is the best at getting reviews. And so, in my mind, Google reviews were important enough to spend another one forty nine a month on the service. Um, and because it's worked, so I mean, I'm of the mentality: if it's not broken, like don't fix it. I mean, this is this process that we you know formulated has been working so well for us as long as it keeps working i'm not going to shut it off i'm not going to you know say let's try flex let's see if i can save 100 bucks a month or whatever um and again i think that's what a lot of dentists are guilty of you know they'll spend money on things that don't turn roi but then they want to save every last nickel on things that could actually be productive for their office and you know we we want to keep getting you know 50 new reviews a month or or whatever we're getting right now so Part of that, too, that dentists don't think about is the impact on your staff. So we want to make sure our staff is as, as effective as possible for a mission, right? And yeah. a lot of times I'll talk to practices and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to change my PMS from this to from open dental to Oryx or something that's kind of fringe because they were talking to how awesome it is. And I'm like, well, tell me why you want to do it. They, they spend all their time on software features. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let's reframe this. Like, all right. I'm like, you're interviewing for new front desk people and assistants. No one on the planet's ever used Oryx before. Now, when we interview these people, there's two problems. One, do these people want to learn this, right? Because they're gonna they're gonna have that learning curve they want to deal with. And two, do you really want to retrain them on this? Yeah. So like saving the hundred dollars sometimes can have a negative human impact of what's actually effective in the practice. Yep. Like that change is not worth a hundred bucks. Now you're right. You have a staff member who's familiar with it, comfortable with it, and using it, it's an investment. It's not a cost, it's not a liability. It's an asset. Yep. But but there are times where it's worth making the change too. So oh, there is. You know, there is. Not to get too far off topic, but we we just switched our insurance outsourcing company. So we we used to use a company, I won't mention them, but they were they were good. I mean, they were doing a good job, especially after we had been with them for about a year or so. You know, there's there's some learning periods, but once they had kind of learned our office well, I I mean things were going well. They were doing verifications and and billing, uh, you know, going after insurance AR, but they were charging a percentage of our monthly insurance revenue. And I mean, we're a big, busy office. That monetary amount was getting pretty high. It got to the point where we were spending five to $6,000 a month on insurance outsourcing alone. And I eventually said, you know, hey, this this doesn't really make sense for us anymore. So I started trying to negotiate with them on price. They were willing to come down a little bit, but not enough to to make me happy. And so I found another company that could do the same thing for about half the price. So, you know, yeah, yeah we're, well, we're taking, that's like thousands of dollars. Yes. Yes. 
So again, talking about like bills that are getting the tens and twenties of thousands of dollars. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, that RO, I mean, $3,000 a month, maybe it's going to save us times 12 months. That's probably worth the headache of making those changes. Yeah. Those changes that I like to talk about are like, when you start looking at like, could be a staff versus salary. Yeah. yeah. Those are, those are, those are financial changes. Like this approach is like a low level staff versus salary. You need to make this change. That's kind of how I equate those. Um, so to go back to reviews, let's get back on track. Yeah. So. So I want to try to like kind of blueprint your success for 1,400 reviews from kind of like beginning to end what we just talked about. So one, you recognize the importance of reviews for search engine results. It's actually, in my opinion, more important than SEO. Second yeah. is, because think about everyone, like, everyone goes to the map results, look for a local business. No one scrolls down three times to the search engine results. It just doesn't yep. happen, right? You're right. So you knew it was important. So first is, you have to role play with your staff as comfortable or uncomfortable as that is. Just new patient experience of asking for these things and being good at them is a learned skill. And as like a lifetime martial artist, you know, I'm a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. To this day, I still drill my fundamentals like I used to when I was a white belt, right? And it's just your staff role playing is them keeping their tools sharp. And this deal, staff change. Staff change position in the practice. Staff changes different staff in the practice. If we roll, it's not a check the box. The problem I find with practices with reviews, they say, we did a review campaign. We got 300 reviews. User over. We did yeah. the review thing. <laughs> it, it's not a check the box over thing. It's not like I got a new house. I bought the couch. Couch problem solved. It's not like that. And it's like brushing your teeth. It's an everyday thing. Yeah. And, and you know what, Matt? I'm... Honestly, I'm thankful that most dentists view it that way because so it's easy for us. So, so here's the thing too. You know, uh, you would think, hey, this practice has 1,400 reviews. They must be like the only practice people even look at in the area. And I wish that was true. I mean, it's helped us tremendously. Don't get me wrong. I spend less on new patient marketing than I used to, and we get more high quality new patients than before because a lot of them are coming to us because they see our Google reviews, they see our Google presence. So, I mean, that's that's been huge. But that said, in my little Count. I mean, in my little area alone, within you know a mile and a half, two mile radius of my practice, there's another practice that has 1,200 reviews. There's another practice that has 900 reviews. There's another practice that has 650 reviews. There's another practice that has 500 reviews. I mean, there are like over a half dozen practices in my little town that have over 500 reviews. So, I mean, everyone around us realizes reviews are important. Now, the thing is, we've had a couple other new offices open over the last year or so in my area. And it's funny, my wife always gets so territorial. She's like, oh my gosh, do you see these idiots opening over here? And it's funny, but um, yeah, no, you know, it's, it's cool. But I've seen them and like they get out the gates fast because they realize the reviews are important. They have zero reviews. They've got to build it. So I think you're absolutely right. I think these practices are doing, you know, giveaways or campaigns or something. And then like they get to a few hundred reviews and then all of a sudden I see their reviews just stop. Either maybe they were doing a paying for review software and they're like, all right, we've got enough. We can stop now. Or they did a campaign and they stopped or they were maybe giving, you know, the team bonuses where it's like, hey, you guys get a bonus for every so many reviews we get. And then they stopped. But you're right. Like you have to keep getting those reviews because not only, you know, is it going to keep distancing you from other practices in the area as you keep growing your review base, but patients are also looking for new reviews. So, you know, again, if, if I'm looking at a restaurant and they've got, you know, a 4.8 rating on Yelp or whatever, and you're like, oh, this is great. And then you go look at their reviews and there hasn't been like a single review in the last year. And you're thinking like, okay, this place may have gone way downhill. Is this place, is this place even open anymore? And now I'm like Googling it to like, see like, did they yeah. close down? So it like, or you're not Google it, you just moved on to the next place. Yeah, no, you're right. That's really what happens. You actually don't do any research. In two clicks or three reviews, if you don't think it's a viable option for service you're looking for, you move on to the next one. Yeah. Not, not to mention, to your point, you know, current reviews help with SEO. So if I had 1,400 reviews and all of a sudden I stopped and I didn't get any reviews for the next six months, it's going to hurt my SEO rankings too. So, I mean, like, there's multiple reasons why you want to keep doing it. It's, it's, it's not just get the reviews and stop. You, you have to keep getting reviews even as you continue to grow. It's, it's just like brushing your teeth. It's a business maintenance thing. It's a forever thing. Yeah. And the thing, like you said earlier, is it's, it's not just five stars. It's quantity, quality, frequency of reviews. Yeah. It's how recent are the new reviews. When you go to Amazon to buy a product and you see 4.5 stars for 50 reviews, 
you move on to one that says 500 reviews. And then you look at the one stars to see the problems other people had. Yep. So now moving on to that. Yeah. How important is it to reply to both positive and negative reviews? Yeah. So I reply to every single review we get at my flagship office. It's still me doing that, which is probably something I'm going to delegate here very shortly. Um, we actually just hired a virtual assistant who's onboarding later this week. So I'm excited for her to take some stuff off my plate. But either way, somebody at your practice needs to be responding to these reviews. Uh, you know, for the five star reviews, which is most of ours, we, we've got a 4.9 rating with the almost 1500 reviews. So almost every review is five stars. For those ones, we just read a quick blurb, you know, hey, thank you so much for taking the time to, you know, leave us a review. We really appreciate your kind words, you know, reviews like this help us continue to grow, whatever it is. You know, we, we just say something quick just to like thank them for leaving the review. For patients that don't leave a five-star review, I try to be super proactive with it. And uh, once again, true story here, last Friday, so just, you know, a, a less than a week ago, it's Friday night, it was 930 uh, we had just, you know, we'd put our son to bed. Wife and I were sitting there watching a little bit of TV. I got a notification on my phone. Hey, we got a one-star review. And I'm like, oh my God, like what's going on here? So I went over the computer. There was no text or anything in the review. It was just one stars. So I got on, I remoted into our office, Open Dental, and I found the patient. I realized this patient I'd never even seen, you know, our, our my associate doctor had seen her as a new patient. The notes in her chart were that she came to us for a second opinion because she wasn't happy with her last dentist. So I'm like, okay, great. Like, what's going on here? That's, that's always an enjoyable experience for dentists. So what I did, I took out my cell phone and I texted this patient at 9.30 on Friday night. And I said, hey, uh, you know, this is Dr. Vallow. I own the Dental Boutique West Chase. I got a notification that you had just left this one-star review and I like to be proactive when patients have a problem. I wanted to see, you're you know- so, You're so awesome. <laughs> I can't talk dentists with doing this stuff. I, I wanted so to, I wanted to see what I could do to help the situation and don't write this stuff on Google because of HIPAA. Yes. But you know, I just said, Hey, I wanted to see what I could do to help with the situation. I know that I didn't personally see you. So, you know, I wanted to know how your visit went with Dr. Robinson. Please let me know anything I can do to help. We're a family owned business and you know, patient experience is always my number one priority. This is my cell phone. Feel free to text me here anytime. Within like Two minutes, I got a response and it said, oh my God, I am so sorry. I did not mean to click the one star or whatever. I had a great experience. I'm going to go back and change it. Wow. And within 60 seconds after that, she changed her review. She wrote a bunch of nice stuff about how great the office was. So problem solved. It doesn't always happen like that. But no, it doesn't. But imagine if I hadn't taken that initiative. Like whatever happened there, you know, she probably was not going to go back and edit that review if I didn't personally reach out to her. And even if you respond, a lot of people don't read your responses. So that is my recommendation. First, yes, publicly respond. I would have done that, you know, if I didn't hear a response from her back immediately. But, you know, go on there, publicly respond and, and say something, you know, protect HIPAA. But you need to stay professional. You need to sound, you know, level-headed. I understand it's frustrating. You know, I, trust me, I totally get it. It's unfair. People can write whatever they want about us, even if they're not a patient, even if they're telling blatant lies. They can write whatever they want, and then we basically can't fight it. Uh, one, because it makes us look bad, but two, because because of HIPAA, we literally can't talk about details of their appointment on online. So it's frustrating, but you just have to be the bigger person. You've got to grow up, and you just got to you know go in there and say, hey, thank you. I thank every single review, whether it's five stars or one star. I say thank you so much for taking the time to leave us feedback. You know, In that case, it's valuable, positive, or negative is actually more valuable, positive. So sometimes it is at least a systematic problem in the practice. The symptom of it that you don't know is that is there. That's true. Yeah. No. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I think I have corrected problems that I wasn't aware of with our systems or with our team or with a single you know particular person because of reviews. A lot of times they are ridiculous. Honestly, a lot of times the reason someone's unhappy is ridiculous. But I'll go in there. I'll thank them for it. I will, uh, you know, say, hey, I really want to do what I can, and I let them know I'm the owner too. You know, this is Dr. Val. I own the practice. I wanted to personally, you know, reach out to let you know that I want to do what I can to help. Please feel free to email me directly and I give them my office email address. And then I also say in the review, I'm going to personally follow up with you uh, on the phone as well. And then the next thing I do is I go into their chart and open dental and I find their cell phone number and I text them from my cell phone. Um, and I say, hey, I saw your review. I responded online, but I also wanted to reach out here. I want to see what I can do to help. Our our patient experience is always my number one priority. Um, let's let's see if we can resolve this situation. 
Um, and a lot of times it's like, okay, maybe somebody was upset because they thought they were going to get a cleaning at their first visit. And we typically don't do cleanings out of the first visit anymore. Um, and maybe it wasn't properly communicated to them. So sometimes all I'll do is I'll be like, listen, I understand the frustration. I apologize that my team didn't communicate well. Here's what I can do for you. Let, let me add a $50 credit on your account. You can use it towards any future dental services with us. I understand you feel like we wasted your time and I never want to waste anyone's time. And in my mind, that $50 credit is worth it every single time. And at that point in time, I don't even tell them, if you take the review down, I'll give you $50 credit. Because honestly, that's just going to make people angry. Right. I don't even mention taking the review down. But most of the time, if they're a reasonable person and we we go out of their way to try to help them, they'll usually take it down themselves. Because oh, yeah. what they feel is they feel like you value Yep. Like in today's world, customer service is dead. Yeah. And what you're really doing is you're really just being really just patient-centric. It's funny, docs always say, oh, we're so patient-centric. And then I look at the practices, it's none of your practices dictate you're actually pretty. Like the things you do every day don't dictate that you're patient-centric. Yep. It's easy to say you're patient-centric, but the things you're talking about is what it really means to be it. And part of it is like, you can have to check the box mentality of, I do reviews, or do you really do it with the spirit of what's best for the patient, yeah. best for you as a practicer? Because it's it's one thing to check the box and say, I did. It's nothing like to really put your emotion behind it and do it, because that will change the results. It really will. So yeah. going back to this, so you ask a checkout, you have three text messages. We're going to put the scripts and everything up on um, yep. our website, go to download. We're going to have some deliverables there, like best practices, maybe some notes from Andrew on how to reply to the reviews would be good. So you're at 1,400 plus reviews and you know it, it's something that's been really beneficial. Do you find that now the review level is, is rising? Are you hearing more patients actually say like, I chose you because I read your reviews? Thousand percent. Yep. You know, this is another just good little habit to to have. But I even though we typically get referral source, you know, the either when they call or when they come in, like somebody's getting the referral source, putting it in so we can track where they're coming from. Even though that happens, I still personally like to ask patients. So when it's a new patient, whether it's a consult or, you know, a comp exam or whatever. I'll go in there, you know, I'll introduce myself, a little bit of small talk, you know, oh, usually my questions are, where are you from and how did you find us? And a lot of times that brings up cool things, either like, oh, you know, my brother-in-law goes here and recommended you guys, or the other day was uh, somebody said that their, one of their coworkers was at our office for an appointment and posted a picture from the chair, like of the TV and they saw it and thought it looked really nice. And so they decided to come in. Um, but more and more I'm hearing, I saw you here and then I read your Google reviews. I look for a dentist that took my insurance and then I read your Google reviews. So like, that's usually the, the progression is that like, they're hearing about us somewhere, they're seeing us somewhere, they're seeing an ad, somebody's telling them about us, whatever it is. And then they're go, the next thing they do is go to Google reviews. And that's, that's usually what I do too. So, you know, I, I think had they seen our ad, had someone told them about us and they went to our reviews and we had like. 20 reviews, they probably wouldn't have come in. Or if we had like not a great rating, they probably wouldn't have come in. So like the reviews are what's sealing the deal. You know, it's, it's not as much that people are finding us through the reviews. Although some people do just literally look at dentists and, you know, find us use as the reviews. Verification of quality. Yeah. It's their confirmation that this is the dentist for them to go to. A little bit about that. You know, if you think about it, so this the one statement, okay, will make everyone realize how important Use Think about this. And just think about your own consumer behavior. Everything you've bought over $20 in the last 60 days, was it impacted by a review? Think about it. I would say for the most part, yeah. Uh, so if you're going to buy a $40 item yeah. and you're going to value reviews, yeah, we're talking about giving someone back their smile, which is their identity. Yeah. You better bet they're reading every review. It's funny when you bring this up, Matt, I just, I kind of had a realization. I feel like I personally value reviews more when it's something that affects my time than something oh, yeah. I'm spending money on. So hundred percent. I was like, I was thinking about what you said. I'm thinking like, you know what? I've got, technically I own five businesses. We launched this podcast. I've got an eight month old. So like life's pretty busy and you know, things that I maybe used to coupon shop for, try to read every single review before I spent the money on it. I'm much more quick to pull the trigger now because at this point in my life, my time is more valuable than my money. Like I, I have such few time, such small windows of, of time that I can do things. 
that sometimes I just need to make a decision. But if I'm going to do something that's going to eat up my time, like go to see a movie or go to eat dinner or go on a trip somewhere, go take a CE course, go to a appointment for some, go to a chiropractor. But if I'm going to go spend my time to go do something that a hundred percent I'm reading a review, even if it's only going to be like an hour. So like I value my time enough that I'm not going to go waste my time to do something if it's not going to be a good experience. If it's a product, if it's a really expensive product, like, yeah, then I'm, I'm probably going to read the reviews. But if it's, you know, a 20, 50, hundred dollar product, sometimes I just, I'm making that split decision and just buying it. So I think there's different ranges, right? And I don't want to sound um, self-congratulatory or, or elitist, but I think if, if we talk about like the income level complexity of a daily life average patient yeah. versus me and you who run multiple businesses, I'm on planes. Like I'm on a plane same day somewhere, same day back constantly. Yep. And like, I can understand now why people fly private yep. because I need flexibility of schedule. I'm losing production time of what I do to that. Right. So we, we, then we hit a level where our, our time is really valued. I think some people time and money start to equal a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. Right. So there's two different, a little bit different points of view there. But to, to get back to some deliverables and some actionables, something to take out of this, I want to talk about reviews. I, always, I, like, to build, I like to build pyramids a lot. So I talk about a foundation and then the point. So I want to talk about reviews from your point of view, what you, you mean successful in three layers. The first layer, the foundation is the actual new patient experience and the role playing of it. Because that is the thing you're getting the review on. That is the product. Yep. The product is not your clinical ability. No one knows your clinical ability until they say yes. Yeah. What's making them make the decision is from the moment that door opens to the moment they meet you and you ask for case acceptance. A good new patient experience earns you the right to ask for case acceptance. Yep. And that's the foundation of this. So, you know, not go off on a tangent, me and you did a role-playing session for your practices. I won't get the details, but two staff members hid in the bathroom and we were like, well, where'd they go? And then they walked up to me and talked to me about it. And, and I was like, one, and one of them was fired the next day. <laughs> yeah. And they like, they thought it was cute. And then they were like talking to me and I'm like, no, this is not okay. I had yeah. to tell Dr. Vallow this. Like yeah. he brought me here to do this. Yeah. My job is to invest in you and you have not allowed me to make that investment. So like that human portion of it is so critical. And, and the concept of role-playing is uncomfortable for a lot of them. Yeah. I do it every day and I just force it on people because you have to do it. So understand the foundation of this is that. So if you're having a problem with that, get over it, make it a, a part of your practice on some kind of frequency. The second part is the process. You build an automated, effective process that your team can deploy and get results out of consistently. Yep. Now that the top, the point is that you also handle the personal interaction level of actually interacting on these reviews, which is what kind of like polishes it all off, right? So if we start at the bottom and start with like, you know, this is the foundation, this is the process, and then this is the part where me as an owner has to get involved and take ownership and be proactive, that's the point, that's the top. Yep. You have to think about it that way. If you think I'm just going to do the middle, you're not going to get 1,400 reviews in a year and you're not going to be 4.9 stars. Yeah. You're going to have five or 600 reviews and you're going to be 4.5 stars or 4.2 stars. Yep. It takes all of that to get here. If you think about it, nothing in life worth doing is easy. And the beginning of the new patient decision-making process is reading your reviews. So it's so impactful. So before we wrap this up, we're going to put a bunch of um, deliverables you guys can download on our website that you guys can get from this. Um, before we wrap this up, Andrew, what closing words do you have about that process or advice? I mean, honestly, Matt, I, I think you did a really good job summarizing it. But, you know, guys, it's it's just... It starts with prioritizing reviews, realizing that they're important, you know, be, be willing to spend a little bit of money on automation because it's going to work so much better and save you so much time, you know, spend the time being the, the CRO and keep kind of instilling in your team, your new patient experience protocols, do the trainings, work on your systems, refine systems, be consistent, and then don't be afraid to potentially mildly annoy patients. A little. You, you got to toe that line. So, you know, obviously like, let's, let's change that. You're not going to mild, mildly annoy patients. You perceive there's an annoyance that doesn't exist. Like, I mean, it's two or three out of a thousand. It's not a big deal. I mean, but I, I in my mind, trouble isn't there. You might be right. And in, in my mind, I'm, I'm sure it's more than that that are mildly annoyed. 
but they're not annoyed enough to stop coming to us because they know we're a great practice. So I, I guess my point is like everyone gets those emails where it's like they send out an email every single freaking day to you and you're just like, this is so like I, I needed to go through the effort of hitting unsubscribes because I'm so sick of seeing this in my inbox. So like, don't be that. Don't just relentlessly send out these texts and, and keep badgering patients. You've got to toe that line. But I do feel like the three texts is a reasonable thing to do. I think we space them out appropriately. I think the verbiage is important. You know, I think letting patients know in the last text, hey, this is the last reminder, but we just really would appreciate if you do it. I think, you know, how we construct all that, we're able to toe that line uh, where we're not actually, you know, pushing patients away with our review requests, but at the same time, we're doing enough that they're actually going to follow through and take action. It's kind of a fine line, but you, you've got to be willing to, to push it a little bit because if, if you're not willing to send up multiple texts, if you're just going to send the one text, You'll get some reviews, but you're you're not gonna you're not gonna get nearly that many. So. Reviews, quite literally, you get into them what you get, well, you you actually get out of them what you put in. Yeah. So if you do the bare minimum, you get bare minimum reviews. Yeah. Make reviews a priority. You have good results. It yep. literally is a scenario where you only get out of reviews what you put into it, and and then keep getting them. You know, again, we're we're forever. we're number one in our area. We've only been open two years. We're again by the time this airs, probably fifteen hundred reviews, but we're not slowing down. I'm not cut and swell. I'm not telling my team to stop asking patients for reviews. We're not getting rid of our new patient experience or getting rid of amenities or anything like that. So uh, it's important to, to keep going because otherwise practices around you are going to keep getting reviews. You're going to fall off. And next thing you know, you know who's going to leave you the reviews are those few patients who aren't happy. So oh, if you stop they're, if you they're stop the ones who get on accident no matter what. <laughs> right. All of a sudden you're going to end up with a bunch of like lower reviews for people that are- And they're going to be the most recent ones. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It's not going to be good. So- Nope, to wrap nope. this up, um, guys, you can go to www.dental-unfiltered.com. You'll see a list of episodes, and under episode two for reviews, there'll be links on platforms listed to this. Also, there'll be some form of link to cut and paste templates and a guide, a really simple, basic guide how to how to make this actionable in your practice. And I'm gonna end with my book recommendation cool. of the podcast book that I read recently that's probably one of my favorite books, new books I've read in years, uh, was Shoe Dog. It's by Phil Knight, the CEO of Nike. Um, if you like sports and you like business and entrepreneurship, um, it is the book for you. I literally couldn't put it down when we were on vacation. I had like goosebumps reading this thing. So it's it's his autobiographical story of basically how he formed Nike and how they grew uh, you know, from this little operation out of his parents' house into, into the multi-billion dollar corporation that they are today. So highly recommend it. I'm big on reading. I know that most of us don't have a lot of time. I, I try to make the time. Podcasts and uh, audiobooks are cool too. But every once in a while, you know, you got you got to pick up just an old school book and, and read it. Yeah, that's great. So we're going to wrap this up, guys. It's always great having a chance to talk about these subjects. I think get overlooked in dental. I hope you guys find some really good value in this. And me and Dr. Val are actually really easy to find. If you're in any of the, any of the dental groups, you look for Matt Brown or Andrew Mangle, Andrew Vallo, we're out there. You can DM us. And you know, as soon as we can, we'll try to get to you if we can. Mine is actually a military picture because I'm a former you know, military guy. But if you find me in a dental group, I'm the one lone guy with a maroon beret on in the dental group in the photos. I'm really easy to find. Yeah. So you know, I'm always welcome to DMs. I'm on Instagram too. You guys want to see yeah. pictures of my dogs and my baby and before and after pictures and stuff like that. Come find me on there. Dr. Andrew Vallow. So. so thanks for joining us guys. I hope this is beneficial. Have a great day.